Today, the United States is engaged in a gigantic effort to send men to the moon. For this effort, Pillsbury has developed many special foods. Here is the first one to be made available to the public, space food sticks. To meet the demands of a long space flight, space food sticks had to be a compact, nutritious, high energy food. K Space Energy Sticks, the power fuel for kids. Hey, space food sticks! Welcome to voice print identification. 2001. The Space Pottis. Open the pod bay doors, please, Hal. Thank you. You are cleared through voice print identification. So we're in the Orion. If you're Arthur C. Clarke and you're the master of the genre, there has to be a, a meaning behind it. And Orion, as a constellation, is located in the celestial equator. So you have Rigel and Betelgeuse as the main stars, Rigel being more bluish and, and Betelgeuse being the red. One thing I, I wanted to mention mm-hmm. about the Orion system, if we're talking about Orion's belt especially, What's really wonderful about it is it's such a iconic constellation and it, it can be viewed from almost anywhere in the world and it's been a big part of um, all kinds of mythology and it's been with us throughout the ages. But when we look at those stars, it's almost like they are in a system together and aligned. Um, there are thousands of light years apart in depth. Some of those stars are burning hotter and glowing brighter, and some of them are nearing their, um, you know, matriarch or patriarch stage and are growing dimmer. Um, but because of the different masses and, and kindling effects, they appear to be a, a simultaneous string of stars, even though their juxtaposition is so much further than what it looks like. Orion in mythology is the hunter. We we know his constellation. He's hunting in that position, and he's got the belt as well, which we use to orient ourselves. He shows up in the Odyssey, and this is where things get interesting, because Odysseus sees him when he's in the underworld, and Orion is there as a shadowy figure with a bronze club. And Kubrick and Clark both reference the fact that uh, the space odyssey is not an arbitrary term, that this is a direct reference to the odyssey as a work and also as a structure for telling the story of the odyssey of man. And since they're also using Joseph Campbell as a guide to that mythology, it, it doesn't surprise me in one bit that Orion is used as the name of this particular spaceship. Especially when you consider that in Greek mythology, he's also the son of Poseidon. So there's a, there's a certain nautical aspect that we have when we're discussing space, because the closest that we can come to describing it or explaining it or preparing for it is in water. And oftentimes in science fiction, we end up adopting nautical or naval terms and hierarchies for how we're sailing across this vastness. But he was also, Orion was also in love with Artemis. A fellow hunter, you know, Orion was bragging all the time that he could hunt anything. So, you know, real charmer. But Apollo was really jealous of this guy. So while they were all out on a hunt, he waited until Orion had gone off a ways and was swimming in the distance. And he went to Artemis and said, uh, "Hey, I bet you can't, uh, bet you can't hit that blob over there." 
So she reared back, fired her arrow, and thwack shot her lover. He floated to shore, dead, and she cradled him in her arms and wept, and then in her grief she sent him up to be among the stars. The idea of having a plane that can go from atmospheric space into solar space, that's really not too far off from where we are now, Mm -hmm. especially with the Virgin Galactic Spaceship One. It's able to piggyback on a regular aircraft to high altitude, and then it actually jettisons a capsule rocket-contained craft that flies from the upper stratosphere into space. That's fantastic. And then as that craft is able to re-enter the atmosphere and land just like a plane. They're going to be doing commercial space flight very soon. Their craft is 100% improved. Uh, a few years ago, they did have an unfortunate test craft malfunction, mm-hmm. and they lost one of their, their pilots, and that kind of halted production for a little while. But uh, I think it's one of the most feasible because you're not wasting so much rocket fuel and you know trying to break that mass by solid boosters or by liquid boosters. Mm-hmm. You can simply fly to high altitude and break away from there. Yeah. Seems to be a very efficient way. In the splashdown of capsule, like you know, it's more like a shuttle. Yeah. Now, Brad, I'm going to show you an image, and I want you to tell me what you think. Oh. So, what do you think that is? Is this the first space food? Well, during their pre-flight meal, or during flight meal, rather pre pre space flight space space pre station in flight. They have to go, they have to fly, and they have a layover. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Yeah, another way that it's just like modern air travel. Kubrick made space both um, awesome and matter-of-fact. What was great about the film is that Kubrick treats it like a commuter going to work. Floyd is always asleep. He's never looking out the window, you know, when he's going to the moon. So, uh, they bring out the trays of food individually labeled so you know what's what and they've all got an individual straw so no mixing unless you want it to happen yourself i know some of you all are out there dirty dirty be like to suck down that mashed potatoes while you're eating your applesauce but i'm not into that and uh, this gives you the freedom to to keep it individual or mix and match like a cafeteria tray exactly these trays hold several pods of different foods Uh, You've got your protein, vegetable, fruit, beverage, and all of these are are perfectly packed into a uh, one-person tray, almost like a TV dinner. It's got everything you need to fly through space. Now, what I've just shown my co-host here is the meal in Skylab. This was four years after the release of 2001 A Space Odyssey. You cannot tell me that Stanley Kubrick did not know that this was what they were doing because it is nearly identical to the meal that they receive in the flight. You've got your lemon juice extraction pod. It looks like a a tomato paste and like a fish paste. Now, they were kind enough to give them cutlery on these. (laughs) Uh, instead of <laughs> instead of simply providing um, the the straw mechanism, but <laughs> wow, nearly identical. Well, they are, and what's interesting to me too is so these look like strawberries or beets or something. I would imagine beets being you know high in 
natural sugar, carbohydrates. That, that's that's probably something that can store very easily as well. This looks like spoon bread or corn bread or a fritter. <clears throat> and then over here, it looks like either black olives or maybe a blood pudding. Hopefully not a bowl of black olives. I don't know if I could stomach. Beets, black just, olives, and cornbread. <laughs> Isn't that what Granny rough. used to serve? <laughs> then we have what looks like an orange custard or perhaps a um, butterscotch custard for dessert. Indeed. Got to have a little pud. So what is, uh, and we'll post a picture of this on our feeds, but the, what is this uh, dealio over here on top of the spoon and the knife? I believe that's a heating element. I will have to, oh, I'll, really? I'll have to take a deep dive into that as well. But Okay. So that's why in, on the front we have these switches off and on. Mm -hmm. That's for heating. Yes. This is incredible. Skylab, unprecedented, um, not only in engineering and you know being the first truly round-the-clock manned space station, they were very concerned about creature comforts. And a lot of these amenities didn't even get utilized. I mean, the food obviously had to, and I'm sure the crew appreciated having a warm meal as opposed to drinking a protein pack out of a plastic bag. Um, what they actually installed for them was a mess hall for them to eat in with a view of Earth that had a, a almost like the, the cornucopia, I think, or the, um, I believe it's the observational unit from the ISS. I think it's called the cupola, cupola. They even had a theater where they could watch films if they wished to, but apparently none of them partook of it, but really insisted on having books for them to read, and, and music was another big demand, too. That's interesting that none of them chose to watch a movie. In space. In space. I would have. Well, but think about the film selection there, at the time. True. Maybe it just didn't interest them. What did they actually have on board? Yeah, they couldn't have had much because even films that had come out recently, oh. wouldn't they wouldn't be out for several years no, for home viewing. No, that oh, that's a good point. It's possible that the only thing they had on board was Skidoo. It is the gassiest, grooviest, swingingest, trippiest movie you've ever seen. Skidoo, Skidoo. The only thing that matters is with who you do. Skidoo, Skidoo. The only thing that matters is with who. Skidoo, I do, you do. I do believe it really is the thing to do. I think this movie is going to turn on the country. But they would take advantage of books. Now, I wonder reading while weightless is going to be something you're going to have to get used to because in your work, you're doing a lot of reading and writing mm -hmm. when you're up there. Mm -hmm. So, Well, sure. And, and Chris Hadfield was talking about it, and, and he's just like, I became the laziest person <laughs> that I had ever experienced. And it's like when you're in anti-gravity you don't have to make an effort for anything. Mm -hmm. So imagine being able to just angle your book where you wanted it and just kind of like kick back and, and, you know, read it without any of the weird neck pains or stresses that you would typically have when you're resting on a armchair or couch or a bed or something like that. So that was very interesting. They even had individual sleeping pods. This wasn't even a, a bunk bed crew or sleeping bag to the wall experience. They, um, had harnesses that they could strap themselves into. That way they weren't floating around and maybe bumping into sensitive instruments or other astronauts that were there. 
Um, but they would strap themselves in and they had a tube that would come up as a privacy shade and it became their own little bivyac. Wow. Kind of sounds terrifying. <laughs> it does kind of sound <laughs> terrifying. You're, you're floating in space. You then strap yourself down. Mm-hmm. A tube comes around you and darkens your surroundings. Okay. And, and we'll, uh, we'll post some images for posterity as well. But it is an interesting contraption. And people are paying hard for these uh, sensory deprivation experiences. You're going to find that rather difficult. The other interesting thing about the actual Saturn V food tray is the bottle. Your drink, it's basically a, an accordion-shaped, vertical accordion-shaped sports bottle. And the reason for that shape is because of the anti-gravity. Uh, so imagine without the ability to pour a liquid... Uh, this liquid would just take the area that is not confining it. It would simply just float in globules out of the container. Um, you would have to then track it down and essentially just slurp it into your mouth unceremoniously. What this bottle did was it gave you um, like a, a pneumatic action that would force the liquid up through the bottle into your mouth, almost like those... Um, Gatorade bottles, the the edge sports bottles where you can twist the top and just crank that plastic and get Gush that it. get that good Gatorade energy juice into your body and uh, get ready for the next round. But uh, yeah, this eliminated a lot of the um, the problems with ingesting liquid and microgravity. We've seen scenes in Apollo thirteen and such with. Uh, I think Bill Paxton even at one point is doing something with a floating globule of water molecules, which is just that that in itself is an awe-inspiring scientific. It is, science. and you can do that. And we've seen live footage from ISS where they will. Uh, the, the big reason why that's not practical all the time is because you do have a lot of sensitive instruments and. Maybe one of those gets away from you <laughs> during a retro burn or like a altitude lift and. It goes right into uh, maybe navigational systems or comms, and then you're in real trouble. <laughs> a big problem they were uh, assessing during the early Apollo missions was uh, crumbs from food they were ingesting, and uh, that was a huge concern because these circuits were so large. You know, we've we've got microcircuitry now that you could dump water on it and it wouldn't even affect it, and we've got a, a situation where uh, a crusty ham sandwich you know could send a circuit board into complete disarray just from a single you know, chunky crumb getting out of reach god help us all if there's a pickle in there yeah, or nobody eat a nature's uh, nature valley bar just oh, crumbs crumbs no everywhere. granola <laughs> no muesli Absolutely not. They didn't have a, a Hoover uh, for the. However, fiber would be important. And when you read the instructions on the toilet inside the Orion space vessel, it's pretty daunting. And when you're only consuming liquids, that would probably help the situation along. But in actuality, I wonder how much the digestive process is changed. I imagine microgravity, it's heavily affected because <clears throat> the way our digestive system works it is a top-to-bottom situation uh, in all regards. <laughs> I, 
I have had GI issues in the past, and I know that sometimes when I, when I get that way, uh, the only thing that helps is walking back and forth. We're going for a walk, Indeed. but if just pacing around the room or even standing in place while watching TV and just marching in place sometimes. When you're in a confined space in zero gravity. And you're having to um, vacuum excrement out of your propulsion system. That's pretty rough. That's not one of the perks. I guess nobody got into it for that one. <laughs> You know, nobody wanted to be an astronaut as a kid, simply based on that. Although apparently that is one of the number one asked questions of astronauts is the uh, method in which they do have to use the facility, unfortunately. As we uh, witnessed when we were with Anthony Daniels in Nashville a few weeks ago, um, that can be a, a topic of discussion for many fans of many things. What is your question? What was the What is your name, sorry? Tim. Tim. What was the bathroom process like when you were in the suit? Nine Star Wars movies, three years at drama school. I come here to give you my wisdom and knowledge. And what is the first question I am asked? What is the bathroom process? Is this an interest of yours at all, Tim? Have you had to have a large bladder to play that role? Or? No, they didn't. No large bladder was available to play the role, so they asked me to play it instead. C-3PO played by a large bladder. It's an extraordinary thought. This article goes on. Arguably the best food in space was served aboard the station's Skylab. It had special food stations, which acted both as table and cooker. So this was the original Ryan's, or Golden Corral, of space. This was These were heated food troughs that people could go and provision themselves till they, I guess, exploded at their will. Incredible. What do we have in the movie? We've got some sort of, like, oh, God, we have fish. We have pureed fish. Fish paste. Oof. That's rough. That's like straight from Ikea. Is that a bean? There's beans. There's Oh, they're peas. Yeah. Peas right out of the pod and then mushed. And then we've got corn. Corn puree. So corn pudding. Uh, These look like uh, either carrots. They're either really round carrots or really ovular yams or sweet potatoes. Then we have what appears to be a chocolate... With maybe cocoa beans. It's a chocolate bar and cocoa beans. So okay. maybe maybe a little Just a pud? Yeah. Just a nice chocolate choco pud. Then we've got oh, a wedge of cheese or mm. like parmesan. I don't know about that. I don't want a I parmesan love, juice. Trust me, I, I love some curdled milk, but We're both cheese lovers, but I don't think that's gonna That's work. not gonna fly. That's it, it it would be like the dipping crackers without the crackers. I don't even know. <laughs> What were those called with the little dipstick? Oh, yes. man. <clears throat> oh, because you had the sweet and the savory. You had the ones that were, you know, icing, you put them in, yeah. or you had the ones that had cheese, cheese. sauce, or which quote, is essentially, quote, cheese. you know, as Tony Shalhoub um, showed us in Galaxy Quest, that is very much a good space food. Hey, don't open that. It's an alien planet. Is there air? 
Seems okay. What's wild is here is the only fruit option, which is orange and strawberry. Okay, so you got orange strawberry okay. smoothie or orange and strawberry. Sounds pretty juice. nice. I would get down on that. Totally, but strange. It's of all the, you know, you could have multiple fruit options, and that might be a little more palatable. What we have here is, is that French fries. Oh, that's unfortunate. The pureed French fries. Well, th why didn't they just put mashed potatoes? Exactly. Maybe because they look too much like the yams slash carrots. Mm. Your tuber options wow. are larger than your fruit They are options. really fibering you up. Yeah. Make sure that movement goes well. Absolutely. And the orange is good, so you don't get scurvy. Yep. you got to get your vitamin C. Even our, our very first explorers learned mm -hmm. that the hard way. All of these, which of course has the Pan Am logo on the side of the tray, each one of these individual packets next to the straw has a barcode on the left, and on the right it says Liquid Pack, and each one has a different serial number depending on the food. Fantastic. So if there's any kind of contamination, they can you know, route it back to the, the manufacturer. And they look like plug-and-play, don't they? You know, looks like you can kind of mix and match what you want. Maybe he has a menu that Certainly. he has to fill out, and then they just... I think you're right. You know, go back and, and slot him into the tray and bring him his particular choice. Absolutely. Like, I, I'll take double fish, triple fish, a double fish, and another fish. Thank you. Oh, fishy, 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 fish. A fish, a fish, a fish, a fishy, ooh. Oh, fishy, 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 fish. That wind. What was your question again? You've, I haven't forgotten. Curiously, it did take me back to when people could ask me questions. The first questions would be, how'd you go to the bathroom in the People used to ask me. And of course, apparently with space astronauts, it's the first question they get asked. How do you go to the bathroom in zero gravity? Apparently it is quite difficult. We joke on Star Wars, there is no toilet, but Kubrick was thinking about that. You see those horrible meals that they're sucking through straws, you know? But they were thinking about that. It was interesting that all the foods that he was given were liquid, he had to sip everything. Well, we discovered almost immediately that um, people could eat anything in space. And when the Americans joined the Russians, it turned out the uh, Americans loved all the Russian meat, and the Russians loved our little kind of those plastic things of ketchup and mustard. What I'd be really interested in hearing the explanation of is the scene, I think it's shortly after that, where she is taking the tray to the other levels of the station. And as it's, um, you know, she's able to rotate along the corridor and basically go to another level of the ship. It's incredible. She's walking along and you are seeing her pass from behind. As she steps off of that platform into the next platform, the tube, the cylindrical set that she was walking through begins to rotate and the camera is tied down at precisely the moment she steps off of that cylinder into the next hallway, the set in the foreground begins to rotate which makes it appear that she in the background is rotating while she is walking perfectly normally. Is she walking in a straight line or is she walking in place? Because it almost, it, now that you're telling me that the foreground was rotating, 
it, it almost makes me think that she was walking in place while they were rotating the set. So that she wasn't stepping out of frame. Yes. Yes. Um, and it fits, too. Whether or not that was a forethought, it certainly fits with the notion of having to tape these mini steps with the shoes. And the way I interpreted that as a viewer was that her boots almost had maybe like a mag uh, core or something that allowed her to ascend the corridor. But I guess really what it was was to uh, you know keep everything in frame and keep the, the rotational movement natural looking. The rotation was timed to such a precise degree that she had to step off exactly the same time, exactly the same way every take in order for it to finally become a seamless transition. Wow. <clears throat> Multiple takes of her performing that Going action. through that, yeah. Wow. And because the grip shoes provide a narrative reason for her to be taking these micro steps, it allowed her to be precise repeating that motion. It really didn't seem unnatural, given the space setting and the and the way that the uh, you know the physics bending aspect of being able to walk up a wall. Yeah, so it, it just it it didn't really break that fourth wall of grounded physics for me anyway. And everything it's. It's another aspect of how everything does slow down in space. Things are either a lot easier or a lot harder. The pen would float out of his pocket and gradually make its way to the other end of the studio and have to be rescued from space just to make people realize the problems of being in space. The pen floating was on a piece of plexiglass the space flight attendant had to be very careful as she was picking up the pin off of the glass because it was taped on there. And if she if she didn't pick it up just right, you could see the resistance and it would pop a little bit, you know. As she pulled it, you could see it snap off of the surface. So she learned to roll it off so that it didn't appear to have any resistance. It seems like in microgravity there aren't any quick actions a lot of our movements and fast twitch muscle actions are because gravity is is keeping us weighted down. So we use our own momentum to speed ourselves up, almost like when a ice skater uh, extends their arms uh, to slow down and pulls them in to accelerate. In space, you really have to just kind of go with your current propulsion and being in a small cramped station, you don't want to accelerate yourself too fast and smash into a wall because <laughs> uh, not only could that be a physical injury, but yeah, station damage as well. Yeah. Just a moment. Just a moment. I've just picked up a fault in the AE-35 unit. It's going to go 100% failure within 72 hours. The other incredible thing about that scene that is similar to actual air travel, although it's possible that that food might end up being more appealing than some of the airline food that I've been served in the past. Certainly. Uh, those were in the days when they gave you more than seven pretzels. But he's watching television on the back of someone else's seat in front of him 
which is uh, pretty predictive because I was flying in 2002 and we're not flying with that technology. And by 2003, I was flying, experiencing for the first time an on-demand full multimedia center. Yeah, before that, I definitely remember just watching a movie in the plane, whatever they had on, that's what you got. And you'd put your little headphones in, which weren't wired headphones. They were the old play telephone style headphones that were just actually hollow tubes that you plugged into your armrest and they just received Not to mention communal. Yes. Great. But this on the screen itself appears to be a commercial for a car. And we know that Stanley Cooper had a fascination with commercials because... At some point in the 80s, he uh, became obsessed with those Taster's Choice commercials. The serialized ones, do you remember those? Just 30 seconds of a ridiculous sort of soap opera vignette. Couple interrupted. Hi. Hi. Uh, was it something I said? Just a business trip. I uh, came over last night. I had company. You mean my brother? He just loves my coffee. Your brother? Savor the sophisticated taste of Taster's Choice. Hi. Don't tell me you forgot to pack your Taster's Choice. Listen, I'm going to be in Paris. How romantic. Well, it can be. You know, he thought of those as many movies, which they certainly were. But he actually sent out an individual unit filming a couple that were cast specifically to be in this commercial on this screen with some pretty inventive photographic work done. And there was projection taking place on the screen that they were in front of when they were in the car. So there's a screen projecting onto a screen, which is actually being projected from the front of the seat. So the screen that Dr. Floyd is watching or falling asleep to is actually a piece of projection screen, which is showing a projected image from the front of the seat. That's... that's hard to describe my dude so when dr floyd is falling asleep to this television screen on the seat in front of him the screen is actually a projection screen upon which is being projected the image of this commercial from a projector that's on the seat in front of that and it's shooting the projected image through the seat in front of him I don't know i'll find some way to cut that into a sentence <laughs> but it's a fun fact. i see what you're saying but wow. Yeah. Yeah. Kubrick showing us that, you know, we can simulate the technology. We may not have it right now, but he already had in mind vid screens and streaming all right there in that one scene. Anything special that you want? Yes. What? A telephone. We got lots of telephones already. Can't you think of anything else you want for your birthday? Something very special? Yes. What? A bush baby. A bush baby. Well, we'll have to see about that. Do I think a bush baby is a sugar glider? That would be cool. I'm thinking it's some kind of weird pet creature. I like that idea. I like a pet creature. Pet bush baby. Because if it's going to be a cuddly thing, and bush it has got to have hair. So, yeah, I like a... A porcupine, a porcupinian tumbleweed. That's Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh yeah, that's true. One of the <clears> other <throat> things that was predicted by this film. 
don't know. Maybe it's a feral child. Maybe it's like the baby. Maybe it's like the kid from Rogue Warrior. Instead of Cabbage Patch Kids, they just give them like small humanoid organisms. Yeah, right. So it's actually like a little DNA, like a replicant. These little biologically created. They definitely pee and poo. Well, there's, in fact, there was a movie by Todd Browning in 1936 called The Devil Doll, where uh, Lionel Barrymore dresses up like a little old lady and goes around and reduces people because. Um, he gets involved with a mad scientist who helps him escape from prison, whose idea about saving the world is by reducing all human life and all animal life to one-tenth of its size. Incredible. And thereby, you know, help with the overpopulation, deforestation, and natural resources. They didn't get very far. So, uh... I did just watch Honey, I Shrunk the Kid. Beautiful film. Then there was Honey, I Shrunk, Honey, I Blew Up. What else did he do? Well, what else did he, he do blew up the kids, kids, but he also, they shrunk themselves. Oh, they shrunk themselves. Honey, I shrunk, honey, I shrunk myself. Honey, we honey shrunk. I shrunk ourselves. I shrunk. Honey, the Shrunkening, I think, is the better title. I experienced the Shrunkening jumping into the Okoe River. Mm, well, was it about 60 degrees? Probably, if mm. that. I did it gradually, by the way. I shouldn't say I jumped. Supposedly, the uh, devil's hole. Mm -hmm. 92 degrees. No wetsuits required. I'll say. But is it like a hot tub where after three hours your intestines start sticking to themselves? Oh, yeah, natural and combined Well, for me, I rock about 96.9 W, whatever that is. Is you running cool? That's great. <laughs> From Clavius Base. This is Brad. This is Wes. Signing off.